Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. You guys sound good. First service, it didn't take long for the cry clock. I started crying pretty quick. Um, Just hearing the congregation say that, repeat that, oh my gosh, it's just something beautiful about that. Um, And it really blessed me. So you may not have been blessed from that, but I was. So, um, well, let me pray, and then I'm going to jump in. You kind of saw where we're going to, we're going to dive into there. But uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the worship. I thank you that we get to gather. Oh, I thank you for this church, every person that's here. Lord, I have prayed for everyone. I don't know their names. You do. I don't know all their stories. You do. I ask you, Jesus, to meet every person in this room. I ask you, Lord, to uh, soften hearts and open ears. I ask you, Lord, to make my words your words. Um, Clear my head (laughs) of what I think I should say. Put your words in there, Lord. I can't change anything, but you can change everything. So help us to understand this. Bless this morning, bless this word in Jesus, your name. Amen. All right, so keep your Bible to Jude. Um, We're closing the book. Andrew's been unpacking pretty much the whole chapter uh, the last several weeks and done a really good job. And if you haven't um, listened to that or you're kind of unfamiliar with that, please go back, listen to those messages. I really believe they're good for you. I believe they'll help you. And they were a blessing to me and my family. So please listen to why, you know, there's a lot of effort and energy put into what we're saying. uh, And we believe in this. So, and of course it's the word of God, which is just awesome. Um, Before we get into the doxology and kind of unpack 24 and 25, I wanted us to look at, because the doxology and the beginning or the greeting of Jude are actually combined. They're meant to be together. It's kind of like, what I would call this is kind of a sandwich. Okay, so at the beginning of Jude's letter, you got the bread up here, and it's. And we'll, I'll read it to you in a second. It's real awesome, real encouraging, real like, ooh, it's like a hug. Thank you, Jude. I just got a hug. And at the end, the doxology, you saw that. It's real loving, encouraging. It's, ooh, another hug. And the middle of Jude is kind of a punch, you know? So as, as Andrew, there's some tough stuff. There's some tough warnings. There's some be careful of this and don't do that. And these folks are gonna be judged and so on and so forth. So, but it's a sandwich. And, and I really believe the doxology, which is what I'm covering, needs to be understood through the greeting because I think a lot of times for us Christians, this kind of speaks to our life. This speaks to who we are. Uh, it's kind of how we come into the faith. So read with me Jude 1 and 2, and then I'll explain it. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. There it is, the Jude hug. Mm, I feel it, Jude. Thank you, buddy. So you feel the love, but I want you to notice what he's saying here, because this matters. He's talking to those who are called, It's one point, Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. There's three things there that, that Jude and the doxology kind of brings that back up with the kept business. 
So beloved in God the Father, or called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. True believers in this room, this is you. Everybody in here that's repented of their sin and, and, and put your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, this is you. You were called, you're beloved by the Father, and you're kept. Isn't that good? That's like, wow, praise God. That's a blessing. I feel good in that. Now, I, I had a, uh, a, you know, Andrew mentioned it last week, and it's true. And it's not a big deal because I cry a lot. But with, with God things, trust me, at home, I'm not like, I don't, oh, Heather, you're so great, and I'm crying. Oh, Jesse, you're so good at soccer, and I'm crying. That, that's not who I am. It, to be honest, that's, I'm, I, I sometimes don't feel emotions in those ways. Um, but there's something about God and there's something about his people, and there's something about the Holy Spirit, and there's something about the Word of God that just breaks me. And I thank God for that. I have asked for that. I want to be sensitive and soft. I don't want to be a big crybaby where you're all annoyed with me all the time, but I, if that's what God wants me to be, I'll be it, right? Um, so anyway, so at staff meeting, you guys know, uh, Miranda had stepped down. We talked about this last week from family ministry. And we love Miranda and Ed, and they did a fabulous job. But she and I had been talking for a week or two prior to that. And so on my plate as, as the administrative pastor or elder here, I felt this weight, and I still feel this weight for the kids in this church. Uh, to be honest, in a way that I, it was fresh. And so what ended up happening that whole week, I'm like, Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And you guys know, we got Brittany who stepped in interim for the summer. Um, who's, gonna, who, who's called to do this? Who's called to pick up the mantle and run after Miranda started to say, what, who, who do you got? And I've been praying and thinking. And in that praying and thinking and worrying and all that, the Lord had kind of worked on my heart that he cares. This is not a revelation. This is just true. This is, this is something more for me. He cares as much about what happens over there with those young kids, on, and, and, and it doesn't matter. Pick youth group, child care, family ministry. He cares as much what happens on that end of the church as he does here. And I felt that. I felt that the Holy Spirit weight on that. And I felt like, wow, I need to recognize that. And, and so the Lord just kind of started ministering to me. I started reading scriptures about raise your children in the ways of the Lord and they won't depart. Started reading it like Jesus is like, say, bring the children. Don't, you know what I mean? And I'm just feeling broken. So at staff meeting, I just started praying and I'm still starting to pray and I'm inviting you church into this prayer. I thank you for Miranda and her, 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 her starting and running this thing after 2020. And I'm inviting you guys in to do something. Pray, ask our Lord, who takes this role? Who walks in this? Who has the call and the purpose? And that we would know it as elders and it would be clear. And that, that, that we wouldn't put that as secondary ministry, that we wouldn't overlook that, but that would be a priority to, to this church and that we would hold this to our heart and hold this true. So in that spirit, I've been praying and weeping and doing all sorts of weird things. And then just so happened that Saturday, Heather and I go to Texas Roadhouse with Holly and Abigail. Uh, amen to Texas Roadhouse. It's all good. We can all, you know, you're probably getting kind of hungry. It's 1140, so think of a steak. It's good. Um, so we go, we drop off Holly with uh, Eliza Moore, and then it's just me, Heather, and Abigail. And I asked Abigail if I could talk about this. She's like, she's a trooper. 
Um, she's sweet. She's my eight-year-old. So I said, can I talk about this? She said, yeah. So Heather and I, on the way home, guys, this is just, just this is how the Lord worked. This is kind of to the point where he says, you're called. And to be frank with you, God has called Abigail at eight years old. And I, I, and I mean it, I saw it. And so on the way home, she starts asking questions about like, I don't know what, I'm kind of just worried about what happens after I die. She's asking weighty questions. She's asking about what do I do with this? And I just don't understand that. And what do you guys mean? And she, you know, some of the language, the Christianese that we use didn't make a lot of sense to her but she had an interest. And so I thank you, family ministry, family ministry, people that have served because God's doing a work in my eight-year-old. And I believe everybody that's been back there serving, loving, you're a part of this. You really are. And so, so anyway, so she's like, you know, I don't know. And so Heather and I are doing our best to navigate through the questions. And, and, it, and, and one thing she said, and I knew this because my background, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we're doing a work. He calls us. She says, I got this anxiousness, dad. I got this, up, this, this feeling inside, this unsettling, it's a, a stirring. I don't know how you want to describe it, but she described it as an eight-year-old would. And Heather and I were like, ooh. And I know what that is. That's the Lord calling. You guys have been there. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know. The Holy Spirit's drawing me. I'm unsettled. I don't know. I feel this draw. I feel like I got sin and I need to get, you been there? Anybody? I have. And if you haven't, maybe you will. But I pray you do. Anyway, so the Holy Spirit's working hard. And so Heather and I get home and we start, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna miss this. I'm gonna live in the moment here and trust Jesus. And so we start talking to her and I said, well, do you want to repent of your sin? Explain sin, made sure she understood this whole thing. Uh, repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, his righteousness, his goodness, and right, the gospel message. She understood it. But I started talking in language that she's like, I just don't understand, Dad, what are you saying? Which happens. Heather's like, well, just pray. And she said, just pray yourself. All of a sudden, guys, she starts talking to Jesus right there. I mean, it was beautiful. Starts weeping. Eight-year-old, felt the Holy Spirit, draw her to the Father. And she starts weeping and she says, you know, take over my life, I repent of my sin, and all the wonderful stuff that we as Christians, you know, confess, our confession. And then we were like, wow, praise God. So she, I'm gonna use her a little bit in this. So she, yeah, thank you. Give her, give her a clap. She's an awesome girl. She's bold too. Yeah. <laughs> her and Evelyn have some interesting conversations. That's what I realized too. So like, Evelyn and I, we're trying to figure things out, you know? Um, so thank you, family ministry workers. Thank you for serving. Uh, I'm reaping the, the fruits of that and I do not, take that lightly or overlook that. And I say, thank you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for everybody that's serving and helping these little ones come to know Jesus Christ. So anyways, you see in here at Jude, he says, to those who are called, beloved in God, in the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So Abigail got called. She responded. She's beloved by the Father now. She has God's love on her. She's no longer broken that relationship that sin separates. She's beloved by the Father. And the thing that I'm praying that over time that she's kept for Jesus Christ, okay? So I think, I think a lot of times this is kind of the Christian story. You get saved, you know this, you believe this, and then, then the, the Jude story starts to happen. Stuff starts to chisel away, beat you up, come at your beliefs, whatever the case might be. So as Abigail grows in Christ, she will need to know the middle of Jude's letter. 
And, and in the middle of Jude's letter is, is be aware, be warned, false teachers, increased apostasy, which basically means people falling away from their confession and their faith, okay? Doctrinal error, Jude warns about that. In Jude's day and in our day, Christianity can look like a mess, can it? You guys know what I'm talking about? All over the world, it can look like a mess, and right now it is, and, but, but, it doesn't, but it doesn't freak God out. So you and I may even wonder, and Abigail may, as she grows up, she may be like, how are we gonna make it? There's so much deception, so much false thinking. There's so much weirdness out there. This is how and why Jude puts the doxology in there, I believe. So look at the doxology now with me. So we skip from the beginning. Now let's look at 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Love the great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Guys, a doxology is really, it's, it's, I'm not big into the Greek stuff, but it's Greek doxa, which glory, splendor, grandeur, logos, word, or speaking. So it's speaking of Jesus's glory. It's speaking of Jesus's splendor. It's speaking of who he is. And Jude knew, he just gave this, the reader of his letter, a beating, a warning, a cautionary tale. He knew it. So he takes this doxology and says, hey, look, but remember who's got you. But remember whose you are. But remember who has is, 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 is got you and calls you beloved. Says that, right? Remember, that's the power of a doxology. Is it, it, it calls up who you are and the commitment you made and, and, and where you'll be in heaven. And I really do believe this, that 100 years from now, 100 years from now, Everybody, and I say this, maybe the babies might make it, maybe not. But 100 years now, everybody in this building is going to be gone off this earth. And I really believe doxology screams this. There's going to be a day for us believers in heaven where we look back and we see where Jesus kept us. We see where he fought the fight. We understand what we do not understand now. We see and we know we're beloved. And we're gonna be in awe of who he is, what he did, how he did it. You kept me from that. I was going down that path and you called me away. You, what? And we're gonna be so, so like worshiping and praising him and thankful to him. I really believe that. I really believe that. So that doxology speaks to your eternal view of the Lord. It's eternal perspective, okay? Now, I got a couple questions when it says here, now to him who is able to keep you, Christian, do you believe he's able to keep you? Do you believe that? Amen. Joy says amen. I say amen. Some of you may struggle with that. And that's okay. You may be like, boy, I'm having a hard time believing that he's keeping me. I'm drowning here, Jeremiah. I'm getting my, my butt kicked, Jeremiah. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling it, right? Listen, he's faithful to keep us. We have to be faithful to him. What's your part of this relationship? What's your part to this? Well, I wanna talk about being kept a little bit. I wanna talk about it because it says it in, in verse two, or at the end of verse one, kept for Jesus Christ. It says in 24, um, I'm sorry, in 20, yeah, 24, now to him who's able to keep you. So I wanna talk about this. And I wrote this in my Bible because I got this even clearer. You gotta hear this because we're, I want you to, we're gonna look at verse three, but you gotta hear this. Being kept in Jesus leads to contend. 
If you are kept, you do not sit on a couch and not care about anything kingdom-oriented. Hear me. This is the warning. If you are kept in Christ, if you're beloved, if you're chosen, if you're his, you do not just have this ability to sit back and be like, I'm good. I don't care about anybody else. Because here's the truth that I think Christ wants us to get. Kept people contend. Hear me. Kept people in Christ contend. Well, what's contend? Verse 3. Andrew talked about this. We've mixed this into a lot of Jude. But look at verse 3. He says, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I wanted to talk about just being saved and the love and the, the, the family that we all have. No, he said this. Jude said, I had to say this. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend, to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You gotta go back to the beginning. You gotta know whose you are. You gotta know the commitment you made and you gotta contend for that. So let's just say it, get this. Kept people contend. You gotta get this. Spirit of the Lord wants me to really bring, bring that home to you. Kept people do not just be like, nah. Kept. So how do you know you're his? You contend. You contend. You fight for this. You hold, Andrew talked about it a couple weeks ago. Remember, he said, this is not a contend where you fight in the sense of, I want to punch everybody in the face that doesn't believe in Jesus. But no, our contending is we have the cross. We have the rich Jesus Christ. We have truth in him. We have orthodox Christianity, right? Right doctrine, right thinking, scripture judging scripture. And we hold on to it. We contend for the faith. If you're kept, you care. If you're kept, you contend. If you're kept, you hold on to the truth that Jesus Christ is, all that he has said, all that he has done. And therefore, the contending, that's where you see the Jude. False teachers start coming in. No, we're contending for the faith. We Get out of here with your lies. Get out of here with your untruth. Get out of here with your works-based message. Get out of here with your sensuality nonsense. We're contending for the faith. What Christ has given us, we stand on. We hold to. Amen? All right, so check this out. Contend earnestly for the faith. I also found a definition that said this. Contending for the faith is agonizing. Oh, I'll tell you what, you spend a few, time, few years serving the Lord, praying, getting in some prayer rooms. Are you agonized over the amount of people going to hell? Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I don't care. And that scares me that I don't care because I should be agonized for agonized Jesus. And I, I'm just honest. I mean, I have long days and I have days where my mind's over here and I'm thinking about money and kids and sports and, and shoes or something stupid. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with some of those things. I'm not sitting here saying that. But I need to have in a heart, I need to have a heart level of agonization. What, what, what Jesus was agonized with, am I agonized with? Does, do I care what he, because there are, I mean, Heather and I talked about this, and as I dig, dig deeper in the Bible, the Bible just starts messing me up and messing me up, and I'm like, there's people going to hell. hundred years from now, there are people in this room that won't go to heaven because they won't repent and give their life to Jesus. That agonizes me, and it should agonize you. We love you if you're not going to, to well, we love you if, if you're not following Jesus. Listen. I want it to agonize you. I think the cross wants it to agonize you. We must care deeply for those that are lost in this room, in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Contend. Our, amen? 
I yell. I, th- I always say this. Faith said, I heard you yell in first service. Well, I'm not mad. I'm inspiring, I hope. I want to st- <laughs> That's a cheesy word. That's not inspiring, Jeremiah. You sound mad. Um, I want you to get this, though. Okay? Are you agonized? And here's the thing. If you're not, do not feel condemned. But here's what you do. You start praying. You start saying, I pray this a lot. I've been actually kind of on this. Faith actually told me this. A podcast guy said it. Lord, help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. Lord, help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. Watching movies, help me to love what you love, hate. When I go to work, help me to love what you love and hate what you hate. And all of a sudden, man, you start praying that humbly and honestly and, 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 and the Holy Spirit starts wrecking you. Next thing you know, you're taking time talking to people that you're like, this person really annoys me and I don't want to talk to them, but I love them. Jesus loves them and they're at See what I'm saying? You become Christ-like through the agony, through the contend. All right. Be faithful to him who is faithful to you is a big part of contending. Look at Colossians 1, 21. Colossians 1, 21. A couple, and it's our, our brother, Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter. 21 through 23. He says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Pre-Christ. That's us. Even an eight-year-old, pre-Christ, is hostile in mind doing evil deeds. It's the truth. We're born into sin. I get it. There's an age of innocence. We're not going to discuss all that. But ultimately, you start sinning pretty quick. You start knowing what sin is pretty quick. And you start walking in sin pretty quick. (laughs) Anybody who has kids will say, amen. All right, 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Look at that. That even mirrors Jude, how he is working. Jesus is doing something to present you and I holy and blameless and above reproach. Jesus is, is faithful. Jesus, he doesn't move. He made the, he, he, it is finished, he said. So what Jesus has done, he carried his cross. He died. He resurrected. He, he is faithful to be faithful. Are you faithful to him? Because contending, kept contending means faithful. It does. You see it in scripture. You see what, because here's the point. 23, if, Big if, if, Jesus, he's going to, he's, he's, he's presenting you holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's what his desire is. That's what his commitment is. That's what his hope is. But if, if indeed you and I continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So look, three things in there that are in the if, that are in the contend, that are in the being kept, continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Listen, what got you saved keeps you saved. What? The, the, the humble, repented, talk to Jesus, give him your life is how you live your life. Humble, repented, take my life every day. I'll talk about it in a minute, how Christ even tells us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily. It's a daily walk. 
And if I don't do this, I mean, I'm not saved. No, I'm not going that far. But I'm saying you can start down a path that where false teaching, false believing, false stuff can start taking you away from the, the confession of your faith. That's the warning of Jude. All right. So married folks, we know this. I think of it, just think of it in this terms. Think of it in this terms. Um, actually, if you're married and you, look at this, I got a little piece of paper. If you're married this next month, Sean and Sheena have a a married group. Heather and I have a married group. If your marriage is needing some help, or even not, you just want to just come and hang out with us, look at this, guys. If you're single and and you want to be a part of this, I think Kristen said this in our announcements, but we're doing these things this next month, okay? There's a financial thing on Saturday, Tim and Ginger. Look at this paper. We're not just doing these things because we're bored. I assure you, we are not bored. We're doing these things because we want to help you guys, walk with you guys, minister to you guys, grow you guys, serve you guys, Okay? So anyways, there's my plug for that. Anyways, married, okay, you get this idea. So, so 23 years ago, I looked at Heather and I said a bunch of stuff and Heather said a bunch of stuff that I have been living out. And I haven't been, I haven't, we don't even know what we said. That's literally, I'm not even lying to you guys. What were our vows? Nah, I don't know, something about have, hold, love, sickness, health. I don't know. We just wanted to get married is what she said. And I'm like, we went, well, I was 20. She was 22. We went into it a little reckless, but God has been gracious to us. And, and it's worked out, hadn't it, Heather? That's right. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, but what, I, what I want you to understand is look of it like that. Like, and, and I've actually, unfortunately, had, as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I've had to walk folks through divorce, and it stinks. And, and especially the ones that are like, the guy or the girl wants to stay married, wants to work it out, wants to be, and the other one's like, no. So one's like, no. So it takes two to be kept, to contend, to have a relationship like this. It takes two. So once again, are you faithful to Christ? And Heather and I talk about this. We have to, I have to choose her, and she has to choose me over and over and over again. Even, and I told first service, and I'm very blunt about this, and I don't mean to be brash or insensitive, but I have failed her with pornography and lust. I have. Now, she's failed me in other ways, too, and we won't talk about it because she's perfect. <laughs> the point I'm making is, in, in, in my contending for my marriage, in my fighting for my marriage, I've had to repent, confess, deal with stuff, stay choosing her, and she stays choosing me. And somewhere along the line, we're 23 years into it, and we understand, uh, we understand that it's got to almost be a daily thing like walking your, your relationship with Jesus. Because if it's not, you, you gotta be careful because you can end up and be like, I don't even know her. She didn't know me. I like this, that, right? And that relationship can be broken. And that is, is, is the analogy I'd like to use on that marriage thinking. Jesus chooses me again and again and again, and he never quits. And he, it's crazy the things you could, could confess to him. It's crazy the things he is able to help you with. There is nothing too dark or evil or too big of a struggle. I don't care if it's same-sex attraction. I don't care if it's lust. I don't care if it's a heavy addiction. Jesus is able to keep you. You need to hear that. The question is, are you willing to be kept? Are you willing to submit to his lordship? and say, keep me, I got some big problems. Christianity falls apart when the relationship falls apart between the two, just like a marriage. He's faithful to keep you, and I believe you if you wanna be kept. I want you to look at Jude 1, 3 through 4, and I'm, I'm landing this plane because we got some baptisms and some testimonies and some cool things that, 
that are bigger, really important. Um, so anyways, look at verse 3. Jude, we're back in Jude. Look at verse 3 and 4 with me. And then um, I'm going to talk through a couple more things. Beloved. Beloved. Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. I talked about all this. That was once for all delivered to the saints. But this is, this is the key. This is the point I want to make. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. This is always happening. Hey, elders, keep the certain people out. Now, guys, they're here. In, in, in Charles Spurgeon, I read a thing on him. He said, Judas's are there. Just a Judas heart. There's just going to be fall away people. There's going to be false teachers and there's going to be false believers. There's going to be people that have, have some sort of evilness that just they don't want to submit. They don't want to make God. And they're, they're, they're in us. They're among us. And don't be like, ooh, don't be a heretic hunter where you go around, I didn't like it, you know. But, but be aware, they're among us, guys. It's part of the deal. And that's part of we have the word and elders and leaders and servants and so on and so forth. Anyways, move forward. Long ago, we're designated in this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God, look at this, pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. These false teachers that Jude was warning a bit about deny somebody with their words and their actions. And who is that somebody? You can say Jesus, right? The false teaching denies Jesus. False believing denies Jesus. Now listen, who you deny reveals who's Lord of your life. That's just it. That's honest. Who are you denying? Are you denying the words of God? Are you denying the clear teaching of Scripture to live your life? Then you are being deceived and walking down a lie. If you're denying, and as Christ is going to tell us here in Luke, um, if you're denying yourself, that's what he calls us to do daily. That's how we follow the Lord. This is how we're kept. This is how we contend. Okay? Who are you denying? There's two categories that usually take people off the path. The one is the religious. And this, Jude's not necessarily aimed at that so much, but Galatians and some of the other letters are where it talks about religious right? There's that category. There's that ditch. A lot of people want to fall into the ditch of religion. That means it's Jesus plus. That means not just faith and faith alone, that, that you're righteous in Christ and Christ alone and your faith in him, right? Paul seemed to fight that, teach that, stand on that everywhere. But a lot of people say, no, 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 you got to eat a certain way. You got to have church on a certain day. You got to do this a certain way. And, and, and they start to add, we're more spiritual because we got circumcised. Or we, and the Jewish folk, unfortunately, had a tendency or, or to fall into that. Okay? The other side is what Jude's talking to, and probably with our Gentile mentality, probably a little bit more us, is rebellious. Rebellious. How dare you tell me I can't sleep with who I want to? How, tell, how dare you tell me what a marriage is? How dare you tell me how to raise kids? How, see, you see what I'm saying? Well, I, I, can, I can drink as much as I want to drink. I can eat whatever I want. I shouldn't have the, right? Rebellious. I don't want to, I don't want to, this wife submit to your husband. Husbands love your wife. Ah! See these pitfalls? So that, it's, it's religious pitfalls. It's, it's rebellious pitfalls. And both are False. And both are not in Christ where it's just simply denying yourself and following him. 
that keeps us from falling in either one. So look at Luke 9. Look at Luke 9, 23. Worship team, you can go ahead and start heading on up here. If John's in the room, he can navigate. Oh, he's right there. You helped me earlier to keep track of the time. John's in the room. He's sneaky. All right. So I'm going to close my, my segment here with Luke 9 and just kind of just, just stop, start, end, finish with Jesus. I think it's always wise. He's the best. So Luke 9. So I, the, the, the real thing is, Jeremiah, take, take nothing else. Take this. Jeremiah, how do I not fall into false thinking or teaching? How do I be careful? How do I not, how does little Abigail walk her life out with Christ? How's she gonna make it? Is it, she's gotta be part of the best churches? No. She's got the best parents? No. How's she gonna make it? How am I gonna make, how are you gonna make it? This is how we make it, Christian. This is the life, it is Jesus. And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Who are you denying? Amen. Who you deny reveals your Lord. It just does. If I deny this and give to that, then sometimes money's my Lord, right? There's a lot of teaching on all that stuff. Who are you denying? Are you denying yourself to trust him? And take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not just a deny. It's not just a self-denial thing. Then it's an obedience thing. I follow Jesus. Are you following him? And whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Guys, I spend some time in this, please. Luke 9, verse 23, and just read the next five verses, four verses this week and pray this prayer. Don't just pass over this. Don't miss this. This could really set you free and, walk, and ask yourself, am I living this life? And if I'm not, Holy Spirit, search me and show me and tell me where I need to deny, what I need to deny, and then give me the strength to do so because he will. He will give you the ability. He will keep you. He is able, but you got to deny. Now, speaking of denying, there's a few folks that have been denying, walking, picking up their cross, and they're going to come and get baptized. And John's going to run through baptism. And then uh, at 1230, if you got to go get kids, get kids. But we're going to read the doxology. I just want to read it over you guys before you leave. So, John, it's all yours, brother. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.